Well, good morning. Um, yeah, we're into part three of We Fit, and uh, I think we're having a lot of fun. Uh, these are big topics. Uh, I, I recognize that and I realize that. If you were here week one, we talked about self-identity. We said that God wants you the, to be the very best version of yourself that you could possibly be. And we said that there's two things that are fighting against you the whole time. is uh, the culture around us, which is all these forces that are trying to mold us and hurt us into what uh, culture says that we should be. And then there's all these negative influences that come into our lives that we hear and we repeat and we constantly uh, have those voices in our mind that are trying to self-identify us as well. And if you're here last week, we talked about another difficult subject called God's will. And we gave you this personal will grid that uh, we said that if you use it, that uh, it would at least help you discern something that for many people is really complex. But what we did say and what I wanted you to hear about this whole God's will thing is that the primary... thing. I just wanted to see how long, you know, actually some of you held your breath. I was starting to get worried about you, okay? But the primary thing about God's will is this, is that for every single person who claims an element of faith in Christ, God's will for you is that you become conformed to the person of Jesus Christ. That is the first and primary thing, that the things that happen in your life are because God is molding and shaping you into that person, into as much like Jesus as he possibly can. That's his primary will for your life. And when it comes to the other things that happen in your life, right, um, those decisions become far easier when you have the mind of Christ, as the Bible talks about. Now, the first two topics, you know, whether you're inside the church, outside the church, you can have a conversation about those particular subjects because uh, the whole topic of God's will and what things that happen in the world, the whole thing about self-identity, those are topics that happen. But today, we're going to look at a really complex, I, th- I think it's a really complex topic, and, and, it, and it's something that's virtually, ex- not virtually, it is exclusive to Christians, Exclusive to Christians. If you're not a Christian here this morning and you're here to hear this message, then you're going to be able to have these wonderful pair of glasses to look at the church from the outside and say, that's why they're kind of weird. Okay? Right? And that's why they act like that sometimes and try to understand what that's all about. Because I, I'll, have a, I'll have a reason for saying that coming up a little, a little later. But this whole thing that we call spiritual gifts... Okay, is, is something that is exclusive to a Christian. Okay, when we talk about crossing the line of faith, when we talk about becoming a believer in Jesus Christ, we often talk in terms about forgiveness. Now your sins are, are forgiven. And we talk in terms about now you have this relationship with God that, that the thing, the barrier that was keeping you from a relationship with God has now evaporated. But one thing that we neglect to mention That when you become a believer, something else happens to you. That you are given a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts, which is a plus. Okay? And it's a very, very important distinction to make. Um, Because spiritual gifts can be extremely, extremely confusing. 
when it comes to what it is. You know, in fact, most people, if you ask them, what is your spiritual gift? Most people, even in the church, will say, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've struggled with trying to figure out what my spiritual gift is. And for some reason, we've made this whole spiritual gift thing a kind of an inventory checklist. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's the way the Bible promotes this whole thing called spiritual gifts. Now, I'm going to appeal to the one... Pat- There's a number of... If you look in your, uh, your study notes that are, that are in the bulletin, I've put near the bottom at the very end all the passages that deal with spiritual gifts. But I am going to appeal to a passage which is the largest passage in the Bible that deals with spiritual gifts. Okay? It's the largest passage. And it's a, it's a passage that we're, I'm going to appeal to when we're talking about spiritual gifts. Now, I, want to t- I, I need to back up a little bit. Because the passage we are talking about is 1 Corinthians chapters 12 to chapters 14. So, there's three chapters right there that deal exclusively almost exclusively with spiritual gifts. Now, something happens in the middle of that whole thing, and and that's where we're going to focus in in a few minutes. But it's really important to understand. The books of Corinthians were written by the Apostle Paul, and they were written because a delegation or a group of people come from the church in Corinth and say, Paul, we have problems. And we want to ask you a bunch of questions about how we should be doing church. All right? Now, the thing about the Corinthian books is that we don't get the questions. We don't get the questions. We just get the apostles' answers. And in fact, scholars believe that there's a 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 3 Corinthians, 4 Corinthians. Okay? But two of the books have been lost. And some scholars even believe that 2 Corinthians is 3 and 4, and the second one has been lost. But anyway, that's a whole other story, okay? Um, okay? Um, but as I said, the delegation from Corinth has come to ask the Apostle Paul a number of questions because, let me, you know, when people say we want to be like the first century church, you've got to wonder what Bible they're reading. Because the Corinthian church was a mess, okay? It was a real mess. There was all this fantastic spiritual stuff going on, but it was a real mess, okay? The Corinthians had, had come out of a, a, a Corinthian culture, if I can say that, because in the, in the early years, in the first century, if you were called a Corinthian, that was actually an insult. That meant that you were uh, an immoral... Um, sexual deviant okay so this is the culture in this greek city that was being propagated uh at this time so here's these people who have just come to faith and all this fantastic stuff is happening in the church but they can't manage it really really well all right so let me put the very um oh they're up there already okay um the very first passage notice how paul says this now dear brothers and sisters Regarding your question, okay, remember we said they came with questions? We don't hear the questions, we just get the answers. About the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Okay, so that's the beginning of the whole thing. About your question about these special abilities. Now, in other versions it says about the special spiritual gifts that are given. Now, I'm going to get all Greek on you in a minute, so here. 
the word, the words that say abilities that the Spirit gives us is actually one word in the Greek. Pneumatikion, okay? And it means spirituals. Simple as that. About these spirituals that God gives us. Right? Now, Paul goes on to say there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. In the, the word gifts translates from the Greek word charisma, which we get the word charismatic from. Okay? And charisma is also the root word for grace. Charis, okay? So these are spiritual gifts that are given by God as a matter of grace. And they're spiritual um, gifts regardless of the term that that all of them, technically, from a Greek standpoint, they're all charismatic. There's no such thing as a non-charismatic gift. Okay? Just a way of definition. So this is really important. But the thing I want you to center on is the fact that it's a gift. It is something that the Holy Spirit gives each and every believer. All right? Now, whether it's a single one, whether it's multiple, um, the, the, the Bible and Paul treats it very, very broadly. Very broadly. And I want to give you that kind of broad definition. A spiritual gift is any ability, any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in the ministry of the church. And we're going to talk about this in a minute too, about the exclusive nature of spiritual gifts. Now, this is a really broad, broad category because if you look at the listings in the Bible with spiritual gifts, it is either an ability, it's either, it, it can't even be a person, okay? Because it can talk about the ability of a teacher in Ephesians, Right? Certain types of individuals. Sure, what, what they are given is a gift to be able to teach, but the Bible treats it as the person is actually uh, the empowerment of the Spirit of that person be a gift to the church. All right? So they're very broad in category. They're not exhaustive. When you read in the Bible and the Apostle Paul starts listing all these characteristics, administration, prophecy, tongues, all that kind of stuff, Paul has not given us an exhaustive list. He has just given us a broad list of examples that we could use. Okay? Are you thoroughly confused yet? I hope not. Okay. Right? Because it's a big, big subject. And there's a lot of confusion around it. And Paul is trying to straighten up something that is happening in the Corinthian church. All right? So I've just told you about the problems that are happening in in this little church that is happening... And Paul is trying to answer the question. And in chapter 12, he goes through all these things and he describes that when you become a Christian and you enter into a a community of believers, that you are now belonging to a body. And in chapter 12, Paul starts talking about the, 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 the church. All of us here today that are gathered here today are like a body. Some of us are a hand, some of us are a foot, some of us are eyes, some of us are ears. Some of us, we're not going there, okay? Because we're other parts that, you know, can be a pain to other people and all that kind of jazz, you know? But that's the reality. That's the reality. Paul talks about it in, in, in terms of something that's interconnected, interwoven, um, inter- you know, dependent on each other, which is a really important component of these gifts, okay? That we need each other. 
It's a very important component. And Paul, at the very end of chapter 12, as he, as he lays out this kind of theology about spiritual gifts, he stops. And he says at the very end of it, but I'm going to tell you about something that's even more wonderful than that. I'm going to read a passage to you. See if you recognize it. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, if you read that passage really carefully, you'll notice that he brings out um, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of giving, gift of sacrifice, right? But those are all spiritual gifts that he has just mentioned, all right? But he says love is the greatest of them all. How many of you can quote the next verse after that? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is... So when you're at the wedding, and they're reading 1 Corinthians 13, you're going, oh boy, did you miss it. That is in a very, very, you know, right smack in the middle of spiritual gifts, right smack in the middle of, of this fantastic passage about everything from healing people to speaking in prophecies and speaking in tongues and, and being administratively powerful and, and having this special gift. In the midst of it all, in the midst of this church being a mess, Paul stops and says, wait a minute. All of that stuff, if it's not done in love... You're just a clanging symbol. So if you stand up and you start, you know, doing whatever, but you don't have love in that, that expression, you're just nails on a blackboard. Okay? That's a, now, that's a really powerful context lesson, isn't it? Right? For, for each and every one of us. Um, the very thing that, that many churches get so wound up about when it comes to these special gifts and, and what God apportions to each and every individual has to be done in a, in a particular um, um, framework of love. Paul is so concerned about a Corinthian church that is spiraling out of control because they are just taking what God has given each and every person individually and using that to lord it over others, right? As, a, as, a, as, a, as something to boast about, as something to brag about, as something to elevate themselves over, all right? So that's something really, really important to take in, in, in mind. So I just want to give you... <laughs> Um, that, that's probably not what you're expecting out of a spiritual gifts thing, but I think that's really important for us to, 
to, to center on. And, and, you know, and, and honestly, when we talk in our mission statement to love God, love others, change the world, that is so, so important. That's, that's why it's such a primary thing of importance. So, based on the passage, based on the, the most comprehensive passage that we have of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, let me give you some points on what am I to do about spiritual gifts. Right? Number one, the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit distributes them as He sees fit. Okay? That is something totally outside of your control. God has given each and every one of you who are here this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ a special spiritual ability, a special gift, something, something beyond or something that complements your talent, something that complements your, your personality, something that allows you to do something significantly more than you could before. Okay? Just because you're an accountant in real life doesn't mean you have the spiritual gift of being an accountant in the church. I know, I know a really good accountant who's like the best grade 8 Sunday school teacher you're ever going to want to meet. And he says, I don't know how I do it. I just get in there with those kids, and man, it's magic. Right? But that's, that's, that's the spirit that does that. The second thing is, the gifts are given for the church, for the body. When you enter into the body of believers, this gift that you are given is not for your personal satisfaction. It is for others. It is for the church. It is for the body to be blessed by. It is for the body to be edified by. It is for the body to be encouraged by. Okay? It's not for your personal enjoyment or enrichment. You know? It's an important point. Um, and, and the interesting thing about, about, it, about it is, this is, this is why this is so important. Um, why encouragement is so important and edification is so important. Most of us struggle with what our spiritual gift is, right? Okay, we struggle with that. You know, would it be reasonable to say that you may not know your spiritual gift, but everybody around you does? See, if, it, if it's for the body... If it's meant primarily for others and for serving them and for being part of that body, don't you think they would probably have a better idea of what it really is that God has given you? So don't be afraid to ask others. What do you think my spirit is? What do you think it is in the church where I can excel? Where it is that I can be used of God in such a way? And it's, it's amazing to me. There are some people that do things so naturally in the church and you wonder, how do they do that? Okay, um, and and you wonder how can how how can they how can they pray like that? How how can they stand up, and and you really feel like you've entered into the very throne room of God? How do they do that? And you look and you, and you say, boy, their their words aren't any different. You know, the the environment isn't any different, but there's just something about them that draws you in to that. You know, there's other individuals that, 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 you know, you put in a classroom of young children and it's like you can't get enough duct tape, right? Because it's just, it's just crazy in there. And another person will walk in and all the kids are, 
What is it? Right? They just have this ability. Have you ever met a person who's got this calming effect on kids and animals when they walk in your house, right? You know, and just... Right? Spiritual gifts. We all... Listen, we all know somebody like that. We all know somebody that, that the minute you say, who's the best person for this particular... You all run to a certain person, right? Who's the best person that can take care of this administratively? Who's the best person that can put that event together? You know what, what I'm talking about. Right? That's how God, how, that's how the Spirit of God is at proportion these gifts in an amazing way. So it benefits other people. Here's the next one. No one person has all the gifts, nor is any one of the gifts given to all persons. Because of this, the individuals in a church need each other. I can't stress this enough. Every one of you are, are a part of the body that we need. Now you're going to say, well, you know what? There isn't a whole lot I do. But what you do is important. What you do is valued. What you do is what God has given you as being a valued part of a larger community and allowing it to work and to work well. For some of you, you're saying, you know, all I do is, you know, I've, you know this, this one breaks my heart. I've got to tell you, I've had people come to me and say, all I can do is pray. Man, that, you know, that breaks my heart when I hear that. All I can do is pray. To think that daily you are regimented and disciplined enough to bow your head and to lift up all those things before the Lord, and you feel that's all you can do? You know, that is such a vital part of a community of faith. I, I hear so many people degrade or, or, or think what they contribute to the church isn't really, you know, um, how many... You know, how many times, I wish I could be up here. I wish I could do with the worst. You know, everybody looks at the, at the, at the, at the prominent roles. But that's, but that's saying something that God doesn't, isn't wise enough to understand what makes a community work. There's so many people who are nameless and faceless to most of us that this church could not do it without them. We would fall apart. But for most people, they're nameless and faceless. But the reality is to God, he has equipped them in a powerful way to work in that community and to do what they do. Which is the next point. All gifts are important. Even though they may not seem equally prominent. All gifts are important. All gifts are important. Right? Never want anyone to devalue themselves because of what menial tasks they think they are doing. Again, that's the forces of culture around you putting, putting a, a, a status on you that God would never put on you. Right? There are people who serve in teams and committees here that do diligent work week in and week out that I thank the Lord for. Right? For you, hey, listen, for you guys that are in the nursery, I want to lift you up and honor you. I couldn't do it. Amen? 
right? I couldn't do it. For you know, if you're here this morning, you're in the you're helping out in the nursery. You're a brave man. We honor you, absolutely. I couldn't do that. Not a chance. You wouldn't want me to do that with your kids, right? You wouldn't want me. Okay, that's the reality. There's some people, you, and I, again, I've always joked about this. I'm not very comfortable in hospitals. Hospitals creep me out. Okay, I'm sorry about those of you that work in hospitals. I'm really sorry, but, but I'm not comfortable in a hospital. I'm not the best person to visit you in the hospital. I'm sick already. I'm going to make you sicker, you know? Like, you know what I mean? It's just a really uncomfortable place for me. And yet, and yet, you know, there was a part of me for years that thought, as a pastor, you just got to... So you just do it, right? That's a part of what you have to do. I know that. But there are men in this church, there are women in this church, who are so wonderful at a, with bedside manners. And, and praise God for that. They are incredible additions to the work and the ministry here. Right? Okay? Next thing, the possession or lack of a particular gift is no cause for pride or regret. Gifts are not rewards to those who seek or qualify for them. Okay? Right? We can't treat it as a reward. Oh, you know, but that's the problem that Paul is, is struggling with with Corinthians. That's what they were doing. God's giving me this one. God's giving me that one. Um, you know, I'm better off than you are. Or, 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 or people would say, this is a reward for my, for my good work and my good service. Okay? You have to be very, very careful with that. All right? Here's the, la- here's the last one. Um, they are not a trump card. Now, I have to explain this one, which is, which is the central, one of the central part problems in the Corinthian church. And um, I've been in ministry long enough that this constantly comes up all the time. Okay? Um, Paul is really concerned about the way spiritual gifts are being expressed there's a positive and a negative side to this one. You will get people all the time saying, I am gifted to do this. Um, and the expectation is because they're gifted to do it, the expectation is, is that they get to do it. Okay? I would argue biblically, no, you don't. Right? Here's, here's a leadership biblical principle that, that, uh, that I think is very strong in the Bible. When the cost is greater than the benefit, then you have to say that there's, some, there's, a, there's a problem. Okay? Um, for instance, if you have somebody who's very egotistical, uh, very musically gifted, you know that the Spirit of God has gifted that person musically, um, want to be on the music team, but there's going to be a problem, Right? If, if the cost is greater than the benefit, okay? Then we, right? Okay. All right? You, you guys got that? Okay? Now that's, now, that's a really tough place to be in. Okay? But that's a biblical principle. And, it do, and, and, and you can say that in any ministry. If there's someone who is, is causing dissension in, in, the, in, the, in the kids' connection, Right? 
um, that maybe they, they may be very, very good with the kids, but we're working with the rest of the church or making demands to the rest of the congregation, like all that kind of stuff. If the cost is greater than the benefit, then you have a maturity problem that you have to deal with. Just because the gift is there doesn't mean they have exclusive rights to use it. Okay? Now, that's a really hard one, I know. It's a really, really hard one. But you're asking that question all the time. If the cost is greater than the benefit, and, and like it's a business principle too. I hate to say it, it's a, but Paul is talking all the time about it. Right? That's why Paul has to stress love as being really important. That's why Paul has to talk about discipline when he talks about in this passage a little later on. Okay, This is a very hard principle, but it's a, it's a truth that's born out in Scripture. Okay, There's a maturity issue or there's something else going on. But you can't just let everyone, just because they feel they're gifted, do whatever they want to do. And it's not a control thing. It is for a, it's for the protection and the benefit of the body as a whole. Because if the body is not being edified, there is something wrong. Okay? This works out negatively, too. There's other people that come along and say stuff like this. They say, that's not my gift, and they use that as an excuse not to serve at all. I'm not gifted in that area, or I'm not gifted in it. And if you watch it long enough, you find out they're not gifted anywhere. And the reality is, okay, either you're not a Christian or God got it wrong. Okay? All right. All right? Here's a, here's a quote, kind of a summary quote from James Emery White. I think this is great. Your spiritual gift tells you what to do for Christ. Your passions tell you where to do it. And your personality tells you how. That's a great summary statement about spiritual gifts. What to do for Christ. Your passion tells you where to do it, and your personality tells you how. Right? And I think that's a great synopsis of everything that Paul is talking about in the scriptures. And listen, listen. Here's the mechanism for finding out your spiritual gift. You want to know what the mechanism is for doing that? Don't take an inventory, start serving. Start serving. And listen, if we're a healthy place, I want to be able to say, no, you shouldn't be there. Or an elder should be able to say, no, you shouldn't be there. Or the person next to you should say, you know, mm, try somewhere else. That's okay. It's okay to, to do that. It's okay to find a place. It's okay to serve. If it's not for you, go somewhere else. You should be able to have the freedom to say, you know what, I'd like to try something different. Okay? That's the whole mechanism in the Bible about spiritual gifts, is get in there, serve, find out what God... Because that's part of the journey. That's part of the adventure. That's part of what God is shaping you to become and do. Because for one season of your life, you're going to be very gifted in doing this. Who's not to say that God doesn't gift you in a different way over time with something totally different? And in a new season of life. Okay? Because spiritual gift, here is, here's the thing. Spiritual gifts are another mechanism for discovering who God has made you to be. All right? Anyway, I just want to close with this uh, 
Uh, beautiful story. <laughs> Everybody knows Tolkien, right? J.R. Tolkien, The Hobbit, right? And uh, Lord of the Rings. In one of the, one of the biographies um, from Bradley J. Berzer, he tells the story about how the book started. And Tolkien was marking exams, because he was a professor, right? He was marking his exams, and he got an exam from a student that was totally blank. Totally blank. And uh, he goes, I was doing the dull work of correcting exam papers. When I came upon a blank page someone had turned in, a boon to all exam markers. Right? If you've ever marked a whole pile of exams, you get a blank page, you go, okay, this is good. We can get going, right? Okay? I turned it over and wrote on the back, in a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. That sentence would become the first line of the hobbit. He says, he says I never heard of a hobbit before or ever used the word before. In this bolt of whatever he was doing in exams, he had this bolt of creativity and he invented the hobbit because a one student handed in. Later he would say, this is great, later he would say, I have long ceased to invent my stories. I wait till they seem to know what really happened or until it writes itself. And in a personal letter, he described his writing process. He says, God takes over the writer of the story, which I don't mean myself, but the true one, the ever-present person who knows what the story is about. Isn't that amazing? I have no idea why I told you that. Um, <laughs> other, other, other than to say, a man who totally identified with the gift that God had given him. It was so natural for him he identified so readily with who the real author was. And I think that's the thing about spiritual gifts that, that I think we want to bring out of this. It's similar to Tolkien. That when you find what God has gifted you in, in edifying the church, in building it up as you become a part of it, right? It happens naturally. It happens without effort. It happens because it's empowered by the Spirit of God. All right, I know I just opened up a whole can of whatever, but um, hopefully if you're here Tuesday night, we'll just continue. Because, because for many of you, and, and I, I, see, I say that seriously, because for many of you, you think of spiritual gifts in such a programmatic way, right? Okay? And, I, and just allow me to stress how much this is an adventure as well. That God wants you first and foremost serving. Secondly, he wants you to do it with a heart of love. Okay? And let the community around you help you to identify what it is that God has gifted you uniquely to do in the community. Okay? All right. So, hope to, hope to see you Tuesday night as we continue that. All right. We have a really special presentation right now. Um, as, as many of you know, this is the last Sunday for the Side family. They are moving, uh, they're transitioning um, from their missions work in Taiwan, and they're coming uh, 
Uh, they've been here for the last year or so, and now they're transitioning and moving out west. But we want to bring the family up, and we want to pray for them as they leave, as this is their last Sunday with us. And for many of you, they've been dear friends and family, so I'd like to invite the elders to come up and uh, the side family to come up as well. Um, come on right up to the stage here. And I think, Brent, you're going to... I get the kids up here. <laughs> well, uh, this is a, a time uh, that we get to bless Rod and Eileen, and I'll say the other names when they get here. Um, but one of the things that uh, we want to say is thank you for your years of service here. Uh, you have been part of us when you have left for Taiwan. But as we often know, um, life is full of transitions. And, and some transitions are not easy. It means change. It means a different calling. Uh, Rod and Eileen are, have left Send after 20 years and are moving west to Manitoba uh, to a small community of Swan River. I keep wanting to say Swan Lake, but it's Swan River. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it's going to be a challenge. Uh, one of the songs we're going to be singing, I was wondering what I was going to say up here, but, uh, and to me, this is how the spirit works, too. Uh, this morning, I was thinking, one of the first songs I ever heard Rod lead here, and I signed to, was Jesus Be the Center. And, and the words are like this, Jesus Be the Center. Be my source, be my light, be my hope, be my song, be my vision, be my path, be my guide, be the fire in my heart, be the wind in my sails, be the reason that I live, Jesus. Appropriate words no matter where we're going, where we're serving. And, and I want to use those words for you as a family as I pray. I see Adam out there. Come on, Adam. It's okay. <laughs> and Aaron and Paige. <laughs> You'll have no problem deciding who Adam is if you haven't met them. Um, <laughs> this is Aaron. Hi, Aaron. And Paige. And Rod and Eileen. So as I pray, I, I, I want all of you to think of those words, those songs. We're going to be singing them. And uh, just let's bring you before God. Lord, I, I thank you so much that... Uh, in transitions, you are there. Uh, we may not know where you are taking us, uh, but indeed, uh, we ask that you will be the wind in the sails of this family, that you will be their passion, you will be their guide, you will be their hope, you will be their vision. Lord, I thank you for the years of service they have given with Send, and, and now as... Things have changed for them as a family, and hard decisions had to be made. I thank you that uh, even at the times when they wonder, where are you taking me, Lord? 
Allow those words to come back to their mind. Come back to their mind as the kids go to a new school, meet new friends, begin life in a new church community. For Rod and Eileen, as they move into a new setting, as they stay longer than a few months, and, and Rod, as he begins serving his parents, as he begins to look for a different form of employment, and, and Eileen, as she establishes herself. And Lord, that's not easy to do at any age. So Lord, again, allow us to remember them, to know that even though they are absent from us here, they're still part of our overall church community, that we long to hear how you are ministering to them and people that have, you have brought into their lives to become close friends, to care for them, to encourage them in Swan River. So we thank you now, Lord, in your name. Amen.